the book of 2 Corinthians tonight, 2 Corinthians, if you have your Bibles. I'm going to wait uh, to read. We'll read verses 1 through 10 tonight, but I will wait to read those till we, uh, probably the latter part of the, the evening, but I want us to just lay a foundation. Last week, we began looking and considering the thought of inflation-proof finances. Inflation-proof finances. And that's not financing, that's finances that God puts into our hands to use each day. Uh, All of us certainly have been touched with the issues and the war and all the inflation and all the things that's going on, the price of gas. We mentioned the price of automobiles, and it just seems to be no end to that. And, of course, all of those things affect us uh, right at home and affect us right where we live. But, you know, those things ought not to affect us to where it takes us out of the ministry. It takes us out of church. It takes us out of doing the things of God and living for the Lord. Um, Inflation-proof finances. God is able to do exceedingly abundant of all we can ask or think in every area of life, including the area of finances. And tonight we're going to carry that thought further and by looking at chapter 8 and we'll look at chapter 9 and we'll continue on even in parts of chapter 10 considering the idea of inflation proof missions inflation proof missions we are coming upon our mission conference and I'm just absolutely thrilled I mentioned it earlier about our commitments for last year and how they have exceeded Um, we are on pace I believe this year uh, to exceed uh, as far as I have been here personally as pastor, we will exceed our commitments in the entire nine years that I've been here as in, in serving in this capacity. We'll exceed that. We're on pace to do so. So I'm absolutely thrilled about that. God has done wonderful, wonderful things. And, and so this just leads us, as we're looking into the, <clears throat> to the mission conference, this leads us again to... Uh, look at the subject that's on hand here in the Word of God. Last week we began, again, our look at this matter of finances individually. God's finances are not subject to the ups and downs of the stock market. Amen to that. And he's not uh, subject to that. He's not worried about that. He doesn't have an app on his phone that he's looking to see what's happening at Wall Street each day and worried if it's going to go down and wonder what the price of oil and all these things are. His finances are not tied to securities, bonds, interest rates, and all of these things. And the riches and the resources of the Lord are not limited. They are not limited. And I want us to get a hold of that tonight. I want us to get a hold of that as we move towards our mission conference. God is not overextended in his obligations. Uh, sometimes we can easily do that with time and resources, but God never does that. He does not overextend himself. Uh, God knows exactly what is needed, and he has every bit of the resources to provide those needs. He's not struggling to pay his bills. God's not a debtor. He owes no one anything. God knows, owes nobody anything, but in his love, in his grace, he gives mankind everything. That is the blessing that we have. God in his love, God in his grace, he gives to us everything. Everything that we have, everything that we need, God is available and God's resources are, are at our fingertips. 
I really truly believe that if we avail ourselves to him. Listen to some verses. <clears throat> Romans 2 and 4. The riches of his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering of God leadeth us to repentance. The riches of his goodness. Uh, anybody here tonight that God's been good to? Amen. Every single one of us tonight say, God has been good to me. The fact that you are sitting upright tonight, God is good. The fact that we just inhaled and exhaled that last breath, God is good. The fact that we are not in hell tonight, God is good. Romans 11 and 33, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Not only is God good in his, in his blessings to us, but he knows how to bless us. He knows when to bless us, his wisdom and his knowledge. Ephesians 1 and 7, the riches of his grace. Ephesians 1 and 18, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And by the way, we are, uh, we are also part of that inheritance. We receive that. We look forward to that inheritance in Christ. Ephesians 3 and 8, the unsearchable riches of of Christ, the unsearchable riches of Christ. We look at our portfolio, we look in our bank account, we pull out and look into our pocket. It's easy for us to count and see where the money ends, but not with God. The unsearchable riches of Christ. Philippians 4:19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He supplies. God is able to supply all of our needs. And it's out of his riches that he does so. In contrast, 1 Timothy 6 and 17 tells us not to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. So we see the riches of God. And so oftentimes in our lives, what we tend to do is we trust in uncertain riches. We're looking at what's going on around the world. We read the newspapers, we hear the radio, we turn on the TV, and sometimes we start to complain maybe a little bit, start to get a little worried, start to get a little unsettled in our hearts and our minds. And when we begin to do that, we begin trusting, if we're not careful, begin trusting in uncertain things. And really, can you trust in something that's uncertain? Of course not. But when it comes to God, He is certain. When it comes to the Lord, He's always there. He changes not. And so we can trust in him. Tonight I want us to understand that our God is rich in resources. His resources are unlimited, inexhaustible, unsearchable. They never run dry. They never run out. Someone might ask, what are the resources of God? What are the resources of God? Let me just say it this way. The resources of God are the answers to every need that you have. The resources of God are the answers, or the answer to every need, no matter what that need looks like, no matter how big or how small, God is the answer. That is his resource. Let me ask you tonight and ask and answer this question in your own heart and mind. What is the need in your life tonight? What's the need? God's the answer. His resources are there. He, there is not one need that you have that his resources cannot provide for. Not, not one. Spiritual, spiritual resources, God's the one that meets that need. He's the only one. Physical, God's the one that meets that need. 
Mental, emotional, God's the one that meets that need. Financial, God meets that need. You, you name it. There's nothing that you could uh, put on the list that said, you know, God doesn't meet this one. No, he meets them all. There's nothing that you'll ever face in life that God does not have the resources to meet. And he offers them all to us as his children. And I want us to understand that. God is so good. He offers all of these to those that are his children. And God meets every personal need. By the way, he's meeting needs. I believe that he's even meeting needs now. You realize God's meeting needs right now? Uh, God meets needs that I don't even know that I have. I didn't know what I didn't know. God meets needs in ways that I, I don't even know that I have the need, but God meets it. So many things happen in our lives, and so many things just takes place. The, the functions of the physical body. God's meeting needs that I have no idea. I don't understand it. God's meeting those needs. There are things going on all around us, I truly believe, and God's meeting the needs that we all have. And God's already provided in needs that we all have, and his resources that God's providing, and he's meeting these needs with regards to spiritual warfare. If you're a child of God tonight, you're engaged in spiritual warfare. And God's supplying and God's meeting. There's so much, I believe, that's probably going on in the spiritual realm, and I'm glad I don't know about it all, but I'm glad God's got it all in control, aren't you? But God's meeting those needs in the area of spiritual warfare. God's meeting those needs in the area of physical protection. I mean, how many times is, has God, we, never, we may not know until we get to eternity, but the times when God, he moved the automobile out of the way or he enabled yours to go on a little further or he did this or he did that. He provided protection for us in ways we would not have known or ever really understood. God's working circumstances. God does this. He works circumstances in our lives. Uh, he opens up doors. I, I can look back, and you can too. You can look back and say, okay, I saw where God was working here, and he was orchestrating this here, and he was putting this piece of puzzle here, and he was working that situation out there. I didn't see it then, but I see it now. God was working. And God's doing that even now. <laughs> God's doing the very same thing in our lives so that uh, a year down the road, so that six months, maybe even tomorrow, maybe even tonight, God's orchestrating, God's working to supply our needs in ways that we cannot even fathom or begin to understand. God's so good. He's so good to us. God is forever <coughs> orchestrating our lives in ways that we know literally nothing or little about. God's at work. God's at work. God's never stationary. <coughs> He's never stationary in our lives. He's continually active. Continually working. Continually dealing in our lives and drawing and providing and giving grace. And God's so good. Last week, <clears throat> as we began looking at these passages, we noted three things that ensure that our finances are inflation proof. And let me just give them to you again very quickly. I believe if we have these things, these three things in place, we have inflation-proof finances. In other words, God meets the need. 
You'll always have what you need. You'll always have uh, in any situation that you find yourself in. If you'll put these things in place, you'll have these inflation-proof finances. First of all, seek first the glory of God. <clears throat> seek first the glory of God. In other words, live our lives for the sole purpose of glorifying the Lord. For the sole purpose Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. God knows what you need. Put God first in your life. Put him first in your family. Put him first on your job. The job that you take, the job that you're considering, the move that you're about to make. Whatever it is, put God in the center of that. Put God in the center of our relationships. Make sure God's in the center of our church life. Make sure God uh, that, that our neighborhood, the people that around in which we live, know that we're living for the Lord. Put God in the center of everything. Live for the audience of one. It's been said. Who is that? Jesus Christ. It, it, live in such a way that that it doesn't matter who's looking. You know God's looking. So I don't care about who else is looking, but I know God is. So I'm going to live. To please him. So put him first. Seek first the glory of God. Number two, surrender to the will of God. Surrender to the will of God. Number two goes hand in hand with number one. If you're not living in the will of God, you're not living to the glory of God. Romans 12 and 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Live in such a way that you are in the will of God. Are you in the will of God tonight? Are you where God wants you to be in your relationships? Are you where God wants you to be with your surrender? Are you living in the will of God doing what he wants you to do? I know this is the will of God for my life and I'm, 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 I want to be there. <clears throat> the will of God, by the way, is not something that cannot be found. The Bible clearly lays out some things. This is the will of God. I encourage you to do a Bible study there and find out this is the will of God. <coughs> and really, I believe the will of God is simply living in obedience to the Word of God. Amen. When we're living in obedience to the Word of God, we're in the will of God. And then God begins to open some door. We think sometimes the will of God is over there, it's over there, or it's, it's somewhere I've never found. Understand, we'll never be there until we're living here. And then God begins to open up those doors and provides a way. And if God can't trust me living here, he can't trust me living over there. And calling me to do something different. <clears throat> Surrender to the will of God. Is there any area of life that you know God is dealing with you about and yet you're not submitted? <clears throat> you're still saying no. You're still rejecting. In any area of life, Surrender to the will of God. Seek first the glory of God. Number three, <clears throat> supply for the work of God. How to have inflation-proof finances. Seek first the glory of God. Surrender the will of God. And thirdly, supply for the work of God. <clears throat> I apologize to you. Supply for the work of God. God calls us to be conduits. It's really a pretty good deal. God gives us everything, and he simply asks us for a portion back. 
And someone said, I think it was Brother Dowdy who noted last week, if, if we gave everything that God gave to us back, we'd still be in the hole. <laughs> we would still owe God. Because God gives us everything. It's a pretty good deal. God set us up a pretty good little portion here. Supply for the work of God. Be a giver to the work of God. Be a giver to the work of God. <clears throat> Tithe to your local church. <clears throat> and I know that tonight I'm probably preaching to the choir. And, and I, I just, uh, but I, I just, I, I, the Bible tells us that these things, are, the, they're important. And, and I find that, that maybe sometimes we can even look at tithing. And I, I remember the time in my life and I just considered tithing. I said, well, I can't afford to tithe. Well, that's because that's a reason, a big reason why I was not surrendered to the will of God. It's not putting the glory of God first. And then I always struggled in my finances. Supply for the work of God. Tied to the local church, the place where you are spiritually fed. That's the place. The place where you are spiritually fed on a regular basis should be the place that you scripturally give. Where you're spiritually fed, you scripturally give to the Lord. The tithe does not go to the TV preacher. It does not go to the radio station. It doesn't even go to the parachurch organization. It doesn't even go directly to the missionary. <clears throat> I knew people that say, well, I give my tithe <clears throat> to this organization or this, even this missionary or whatever. That's not the tithe. The tithe is the Lord's and ought to be brought into the storehouse, which is the local church. Listen to Malachi 3 and 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now wherewith saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you should not be room enough to receive it. Inflation-proof finances. Someone says, I can't afford to give. You can't afford not to give. Can't afford not to give. Someone says, well, the tithe, the 10% is the Old Testament principle. But understand the Old Testament principle only establishes, the tithe only establishes the fact that we are to be givers. It's just the establishment of the fact that we are to be givers. The Old Testament only sets the baseline for our giving. The, the New Testament, when we come to the New Testament, the standard for giving starts with the tithe. And it goes beyond that. <clears throat> they came to <clears throat> Malachi when they, when they were asking the Lord. God asked them, he says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But that you say... Wherein have we robbed thee, they asked the Lord. And he says, in tithes and in offerings. You've robbed me in tithes and in offerings above that above the tithe. Luke 6 and 36. We dare say we know that passage very well. Luke 6 and 36. Give. And it shall be given you, good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall man give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. <clears throat> God says, 
tithing, if we're going to be stingy with what we owe God and what is rightfully His, then it says we're going to struggle with these matters. All the Bible teaches, every bit, all of the Bible teaches us that we are to be givers to God. We're not only to give our lives, but we're to give our finances. If God has our lives, He has our finances, of course. Our giving to God is simply giving back to God. As I mentioned a few moments ago, a portion of what He's given to you. Now, when we think about giving, we are giving to the Lord's work. What are we doing? When we are giving, we are doing several things. I believe, let me just give you a couple thoughts. When we're giving to the Lord's work, we're recognizing that he first gave to us. When we're giving to the Lord's work, we are recognizing that God first gave it to us. We're acknowledging that God is the one that first put it into our hands. When we don't do this, then we are ignoring the fact that God has given to us. Number two, when we are giving to the Lord's work, we are living in obedience to the Word of God. We are living in obedience to the Word of God when we're giving to God's work. When we're giving to God's work, number three, it allows us to participate in the work of God. It allows us to participate. By the way, let me just say it loudly and clearly, and you've heard it dozens of times, and it's true. God doesn't need our money. God doesn't need your money. He doesn't need my money. He doesn't need our gold. He doesn't need our silver. He doesn't need any of that. It all comes from him. God simply wants our lives. And so it's really an opportunity for us to participate in the work of God. Number four, it invests in eternity. When we give to the work of God, we are literally investing in eternity. Wall Street goes through periods of what's called bull markets and bear markets. I'm sure you're familiar with those terms. A bull market are times when we're in a bull market are times of optimism, times of sustained earnings and expected growth. That's when things are going good. You're watching those numbers climb. It's a bull market. A bear market on the other side are times of downward trends. Well, inflation's come in. These things are going down. You know, I've lost this much money in my, in my retirement or whatever the case may be. They're characterized, bear markets characterized by losses, inflation, pessimism. When it comes to investing in the Lord's work, there's no equal. There's no equal. There are no bear markets in the work of the Lord. It's always rising. It's always going forward. There's always optimism. There's always reason for joy when it comes to investing in the Lord's work. Matthew 6 and 20, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through nor steal. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Are you And again, I know that I'm preaching to a choir tonight to so many people that just give so sacrificially. But are we laying up treasures in heaven? And I think as young families, as young couples sometimes, these are principles that need to be heard. These are principles that need to be 
put to the heart and even put to the test in your own lives. Can we trust God here? Oh, yes, we can. Oh, yes, we can. And, and let me just, uh, if you don't believe me, ask some of these other, maybe, I don't know how to say this, some of these gray-headed folks that's been around for a long, little while and ask them if it worked for them. Just ask them. I don't know who I'm talking about. Some of you are looking around like you have no idea who I'm talking about. <clears throat> just ask them. Does it work? Does it work? You know what I think they'll tell you? You can't outgive the Lord. You can't outgive Him. You can't give too much. And everything He's given is He says, simply be obedient to me. The Bible establishes the fact that we are to give obediently. We are to give obediently, that is, with the tithes and with the offerings. Not to give is to not, rec- is to not recognize God at all in our lives. <clears throat> when we do not give, we're not recognizing the Lord. We're not recognizing Him. S- uh, 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 and 7. <clears throat> but this I say, He which soweth sparingly, shall reap also sparingly. And he that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, nor of necessity. Notice this phrase. For God loveth a cheerful giver. God loveth a cheerful giver. Give obediently. We are more like God when we give. More like him when we give. The perfect example is 2 Corinthians 8. Look at verse number 9. What's the example of giving? <clears throat> well, it can be found none other than Jesus Christ himself. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. God gave. The example here is that of God. We see another example, and Paul mentions it, of the church at Macedonia. And we'll get to that at some point. But I want us to understand that God says we are to give obediently to what's the Lord. Give obediently everything, everybody doing something. Let me just say, everybody doing something. From the littlest one to the, to the most mature one. Everybody doing something teaching our young people, for us growing the Lord, growing in grace in this regard. Everybody doing something for the work of the Lord. And what is his work? His work is evangelizing the world, getting the gospel around the world. Many people have different ideas about obedience when it comes to this, and I admit that. Many people (laughs) will say, well, I'm giving to the Lord. Many people have different ideas. Some give accordingly. Okay, I'm going to give. I'm going to give accordingly, according to what's left. So let me analyze what I can afford to give to God's work. I'm going to analyze it and look at everything that I've got to give. I've got to get my bills paid. I get the house payment. I get the insurance. <clears throat> the van's broke down. This and that's happening. That's happening. All these things are going to buy all these. They've got baby diapers now. I've got all these things I've got to take care of. Let me give what's left. Accordingly, this kind of giving gives God the leftovers. It gives God the leftovers if there are any. This kind of giving puts God at last place on our list. Puts God at the bottom of the list. 
<clears throat> this is token giving. It's token giving. It's not obedient giving. Let me just see what I got left. And if I got anything left, I'll give a little bit to, to the Lord's work. It's not obedient giving. It's token giving. So some give accordingly. Some give consciously. This is a good way to give. The other one's not, but this is a good way to give. Some give consciously. In other words, we consciously arrange our finances in such a way so that we can give more to God's work. Consciously arrange my finances so that I can give more to God's work. I believe God honors this kind of giving. He honors that kind of giving. I'm going to consciously order my finances so that I can give more to the Lord. So some give consciously. Some go even further. Some give sacrificially. And I know that takes place quite often here at Lakewood. This again is a wonderful way to give. This is giving up something that you may need for yourself. Sacrificial giving. Giving up something that you may need for yourself. Maybe you've saved a portion of, for this particular thing. Doing without a personal desire <clears throat> to give to the work of the Lord. Uh, saving for that pickup truck or that boat. <laughs> I don't know if that's sacrificial if you give that to the Lord or not. Maybe for some it is. I believe God honors this kind of giving. Sacrificial giving. I'm willing to put off and put aside something that I want so that I can give to the work of the Lord. Some give accordingly, some give consciously, some give sacrificially. But the best way to give is found here in 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. And that is, and I'll just touch on it tonight and we're done. That is, give dependently. Give dependently. This is giving to God's work Faithfully depending upon God to give you what he wants you to give. Faithfully depending upon God to give you what he wants you to give. And you go to the Lord and you ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to give? And I'm talking area, I'm not talking about the tithe. I'm not talking about the tithe and offering. We're going beyond that. We're talking about giving to the work of the Lord with regards to missions. Regards to getting the gospel around the world. Going beyond that, the tithe is already settled. In this regard, we're giving dependently. Depending on God to give it to you and through you so that you can get the work of God's, God done so that God continues to go forward. His work continues to go forward. When we give accordingly, consciously, and even sacrificially, the first three are based upon our reasoning. They're based upon our reasoning of it. When we give accordingly, well, I'll reason it out. When I give consciously, okay, I'm working things out. When I give sacrificially, even that's my reasoning, I'm working things out. But the last one, giving dependently, is based on God's giving of it. See, the first is based on my reasoning it out. This one's based upon God's giving it. And then there is an essence where God gives it all. I understand that. But when it comes to the giving of the Lord's work, it's God that does it. The first three, I'm responsible. I'm the one that's responsible. The first, this last one, God's the one that's responsible. 
God's the one's responsible. The first three limit our giving to missions. The last one accelerates our giving to missions. You see, it's up to God then. It's all in His hands. I'm not responsible. God's responsible. This is faith promise giving or grace giving. God's the one that's responsible. God's the one that's in charge. The first three are dependent upon what I do. Grace giving is dependent upon what God does. Grace giving simply means that knowing the need, knowing the need around the world, knowing the need of the gospel, knowing the people that need to hear the word of God, knowing the need for church planting, simply means that knowing the need, we go to God asking him, what he would have us to do about that need. Go to God asking him, asking him what he would have us to do about that need. And then God tells us. And then we by faith trust God to supply what he told us. We're simply trusting God to supply what he told us. <clears throat> when mission conference time when we receive those commitment cards. What are we doing? We have gone to the Lord and we said, Lord, what do you, the need is great. The missionaries come here and they share the needs around the world. And our hearts are burdened and our hearts are even broken. And we say, well, I want to be a part and I want to be a help in this area. What can I do, God? What can you do through me, God? And God says, okay, this is what I want you to trust me for. We put that commitment. But I want you to remind you that just like what we've seen this year, it doesn't hinder our giving, it accelerates our giving. As of last Sunday, I think, with our faith promise commitments, above the ties or anything, a little over, almost 25,000, over 25,000 above our commitments. With what, three to four weeks to go? Praise God for that. What I'm simply saying, God is able to do, he says they gave of their power and they gave beyond their power. What we've seen literally transpire this year is this church, trusting God, has been able to give beyond their power, our power, to do more, to get the gospel around the world. This is amazing. <clears throat> Depending upon God to supply the need, the word grace, and we'll break this down next week, but the word grace is used five times between verses 1 through 9. Grace giving unleashes the resources of God to us and through us, ensuring that the work of missions goes forward. Now, let's read the verses. <clears throat> Moreover, brethren, <clears throat> we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power, I bear record, yea, beyond their power, they are willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift 
and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. So we see the first word gift. First time it's mentioned in verse number one. We see the word gift, excuse me, grace, I apologize. We see the word gift in verse number four. The same word there, the gift, is the same word as grace. It's just translated gift. It's God giving it to us. Verse number five. And this they did, not as we had hoped, but first gave their own selves. Living for the glory of God, living in the will of God, they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. And so much that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, he says to a, to a, a wealthy church here at Corinth, it has a, so much. And by the way, the church at Macedonia was poor. We see that. He says, but you've abounded in everything, in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love to us. And he says, see that ye abound also, excuse me, that ye abound in this grace also. I want you to abound in this one. Trust God in this one. See God do abundantly in this one. I speak not by commandment, by occasion of the forwardness of others, And to prove the sincerity of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. That ye through his poverty might be rich. Inflation proof ministry. Getting the work of God done God's way. This is how it's accomplished. Next week we'll take these verses and we'll break them down a little bit further. But tonight I'm just amazed at what God's doing. And it just thrills my heart. And I want us to see us be able to do more. And not that we would say, look at what we've done, but that we might literally abound in this grace also. Abound, abound in this grace. And we're seeing God do that. But I believe that God desires to do even more as we trust Him by faith. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Father, we thank You tonight for... how good you are to us. You are so, so good. Lord, we're not deserving of anything. The grace is, grace is the unmerited favor of God. It's a gift. It's given to us who have done nothing to merit it, done nothing to deserve it. You gave us that gift through your son, Jesus Christ. Salvation is offered. We couldn't save ourselves, but we thank you for Jesus. Came to this world, lived the perfect, sinless life, and went to a cross. And there on the cross, he took our sins. Sin of the world, individually, and Lord, all of us, took our sins, and they were placed upon him. He died there in our place, he took our penalty. He paid our price. Lord, he was buried and rose again the third day. By faith, we can look to you and be saved because of what you've done. And I pray for someone here tonight that's not born again. If they are not sure if they die tonight, heaven is their home. May tonight be the night of saving faith. May they trust you. That's the first place, to trust you in salvation. And Lord, if we can trust you here, we can trust you everywhere. And now that there may be some of us even that, Lord, we could 
abound in this grace also, in this giving to the Lord's work. And thank you for what we've seen. Lord, we're asking you to do more through us. So increase our faith, exercise our faith. Lord, thank you ahead of time for what you're doing, what you're going to do. We look forward to this upcoming missions conference. And Lord, may you be glorified. May many souls be swept into the kingdom of the Lord because of these days. And Lord, the faith that we trust you by. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.